Running sutures are a sign of weakness. Let me explain that title and that comment. Prior to my oral surgery residency, I had an opportunity to be a part of a program at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. It was in the anesthesia and critical care medicine department. They had a slot for two general dentists to come in and essentially work as categorical first-year anesthesia residents, and I landed one of those spots coming off of active duty from the Navy. And during my time on the anesthesia side of the drapes, I had an opportunity to take a look and observe and listen in on conversations with some of the biggest names in surgery. And one of these surgeons was Dr. Paul Manson. Dr. Manson was a professor or is a professor in the Johns Hopkins Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Department. This guy had case after case that I did anesthesia for. They did free tram flaps. They did reconstructive flaps. They did breast augmentation, breast reduction. There was all kinds of different procedures that I witnessed them perform. And I say them Dr. Manson was the attending surgeon in the plastics department. He had fellows and he had residents. So I got to watch all of these guys work and interact and listen in on their conversations. As I got to know some of them, I got to ask questions, got to have conversations about what they were doing. And they were very gracious to talk with me about those situations as we were doing cases together. Now, there are several takeaways that I gained from this experience, and one of them is the basis of the title of today's episode. Dr. Manson, as well as many, if not all of his residents and fellows, made the statement when they were closing a case, quote, running sutures are a sign of weakness, close quote. Let me say that again. Running sutures are a sign of weakness. And I heard him say this all the time, and I finally said, I don't Get it. I don't understand. And they were just huge proponents of interrupted suture for skin closure. And they just were not fans of running sutures to do this. And they just used this as a as a talking point or as a mantra. And, and it came from Dr. Manson. And I can't remember an instance where one of the plastic reconstructive surgeons in that department used a running suture to close skin. I, I don't think I ever saw it. I always saw interrupted. And so what I did is I tucked that in my back pocket when I left anesthesia fellowship and went to oral surgery residency. And during my residency, I had an opportunity to explore a lot of different suturing techniques. We did running sutures, or better known as baseball sutures, baseball stitch. We used running interlocking, running horizontal mattresses for or orthognathic cases with one particular attending, vertical mattress sutures, horizontal mattress sutures, running subcutaneous. We did figure eights, and we did all kinds of different techniques when it comes to suturing. And of course, interrupted suturing was always a mainstay, but we had an opportunity to explore different ones. And there were certain situations where our attendings, they didn't, they highly encouraged us to use a particular technique and they had the reasoning behind it. And I was, I was happy that they did because it, it forced me to get outside of my 
comfort zone with just doing an interrupted suture, which I wasn't very proficient at when I went into that program to begin with. But in doing so, I kept this this mindset of what Dr. Manson and his team of surgeons in the department at Johns Hopkins talked about with the fact that running sutures are a sign of weakness. And with time and repetitions, I became proficient in most of the techniques that I just mentioned. But while keeping this concept or this idea about the running sutures in the back of my mind, I elected to really focus on that when I came out of residency and went into private practice. And I switched my focus to almost exclusively on using interrupted suturing techniques. I wasn't doing as much facial trauma, so I wasn't doing scalp lacerations or lip lacerations. We weren't doing anything pretty much in the office but intraoral wounds. And so I I generally opted for interrupted sutures to close my wounds in all these situations. And as a result of that, interrupted suturing is my favorite and primary suturing technique that I use today. Maybe for you as well, because that is one that's very common among dentists because it works. I also will tell you that I instrument tie, I don't hand tie. The plastic reconstructive guys that I saw working were instrument tie guys. They're very few times I ever saw them throw a hand tie for a suture in closure. They use instrument ties. And man, they were like singer sewing machines. And I'm like, man, one of these days, I hope I get to be that good. And over, like I say, over time with repetition, I've become much more proficient and efficient in my instrument tie interrupted suture technique. People go, well, why, why is running sutures a sign of weakness? Why did they say that? And I think back and I think the concern was if you lose a knot on a running suture or if the suture is compromised or severed in the healing phase, that surgical closure loses integrity and the wound opens up and it's compromised. And that's the biggest thing. It's great. It's quick. You can do a baseball stitch and close a wound quickly. But if you lose a knot on either end or if one of them comes untied, let's say a patient's running their tongue over the knot because it's irritating or it's aggravating or it's just annoying to them, and somehow they untie that in the early phases of the wound healing, and that thing unravels and your suture line opens up or your incision line opens up and you get exposed you know, bone or graft or whatever the case may be, whatever you're, you're doing there in the surgical procedure, you have a compromised wound. And I've seen this, especially in the anterior mandible, where it's not a lot of attached gingiva and you've got a lot of mucoperiosteal soft tissue with no that's unattached and you have tear through with your sutures. If you do a running suture, then that wound is wide open. You see the bone, you see the bone graft, and it's painful for the patient and takes forever for it to close secondary intention. So that's the reason they believed in that, and I tend to believe the same. I just think that interrupted sutures are better in my hands. They give me better results, and the wound closure and healing, from my standpoint, is better when I use interrupted sutures. Now, I won't sit here and say that interrupted sutures are the only thing that I use. There's a couple of other 
suture techniques that I use on occasion, given a situation. The first one is the figure eight. I use a figure eight on a weekly basis. I won't say a daily basis, but a weekly basis. And I like to use figure eight sutures when I'm doing, say, a socket preservation in preparation for an implant. Take out a tooth, put in some bone graft, put in a collagen plug, platelet-rich fiber membranes into an extraction site. And I'll throw a figure eight suture over the top of that site. And it just helps hold the contents of the extraction site in place for me. Occasionally, I'll throw an interrupted right over the middle of the cross in that figure eight to give it a little extra support. And I like a figure eight suture in this case. So interrupted primarily to close my wounds and my incision lines. Figure eight when I'm doing socket preservation and I need to basically hold the contents of an extraction site when I'm grafting it in place. And then I use also a horizontal mattress is probably my third most common suture techniques that I use. And I use this, and I think I mentioned it just previously, when you have soft tissue that's very thin and friable, where we don't have good attached gingiva and that soft tissue is unattached and mobile and thin and translucent, you we're all familiar with that situation when we put in an interrupted suture and we're, we're gently tying it and then all of a sudden the suture pulls through that soft tissue that's the case where I'll pull out the horizontal mattress suture that works good in my hands you don't have to put a lot of tension on a suture in that situation when it's interrupted to pull through so I'll use a horizontal mattress to tie that closed because you get a bigger bite and it helps close that wound without pull through on your suture line because the tissue is so thin and it prevents the tissue from tearing. It gives you a good closure and it holds that soft tissue in place. Like I say, an example is an anterior mandible where you've got no attached gingiva and you're trying to close the unattached mucoperiosteum or uh, mucosa together. You're trying to close the mucosa that's thin that's unattached together this is where i'll use that that's a case a specific case that i'll use it sometimes the lingual of the mandible if i'm trying to close an area that has exposed bone which i don't generally do i let that heal with secondary tension but occasionally you'll go in and open an area up in the lingual mandible to reduce bone uh, and i'll close it with that very rare that i do that though because i'm always concerned about the neurovascular structures in the lingual of the mandible but occasionally i'll throw a horizontal mattress in that area just to give it a little bit of closure if it's a big wound or if it's a big gaping area of exposed bone now those are my three those are my workhorses i'd say i'm trying to think the last time it's been forever since i used a running suture in anything that i did i use interrupted i use instrument tie i've gotten pretty good at it i can move pretty fast I will tell you that my assistants know they they hold the suture scissors. They'll cut those. I leave a little bit of a tail on my interrupteds. Primarily use chromic gut, unless there's a reason not to. As long as you've got passive soft tissue closure, you can do that. And I, you know that's the way to do it, of course. Occasionally, I'll use a nylon for specific cases. Like if I'm doing exposing bond, I'll tie a chain to a wire with a nylon. But interrupted... Figure eight, 
and also a horizontal mattress. Those are my three. Those are my workhorses. I don't use running sutures. I like the idea that Dr. Manson put in my head years ago. And if you dislike that, if you dislike the idea that he speaks of with running sutures being a sign of weakness, that's fine. I'm not saying that one way is right and the other way is wrong or vice versa. I'm just saying that I've tried a lot of different suturing techniques in my career, and I've reduced the number of techniques that I use down to roughly three. And over time, I've gotten better at each of these three to a point that I can get the majority of my closures done with those three techniques, and I've focused on these three. And you may have different techniques that work the same for you. My idea is just do as many as you can and start narrowing down as you feel more comfortable with them and you get good results. And then go with the ones that work the best for you. It may be interrupted. It may be running. It may be running interlocking. It may be vertical mattress. I don't know. And I don't know the sutures uh, that use. And I don't know the techniques that you're performing in your office. But the thing is, is just get good at a few things and improve upon them as long as they're giving you the majority of your results. And they're good results. The key is just exploration and then narrowing down. When you narrow down this list to a few techniques, they can give you the most bang for your buck and can cover the majority of what you do, then you can get damn good at those and it'll become easier and you'll become more proficient and you'll become faster and you'll look like a machine. And then discard the rest. Now, I'm not saying discard them for the rest of your career because every once in a while, there might be a situation where you have to pull one of those off the shelf, blow the dust off of it and... Use a running suture. I find that pretty rare in my case nowadays. So I want to know your thoughts. What suture techniques do you use? What are your primary? Are are they interrupted like mine? Have you tried the running sutures to see how they work in your hands? Maybe you've never even really attempted to do that much because you just didn't want to do it. And you just use interrupted. And that's fine. But I'd love to hear what techniques you use. Do you have a preferred technique? Do you use all kinds of different ones depending on the surgical situation? Are the ones that you avoid and why do you avoid them? The main reason is why are we doing something and how do we get really good at a few things in my mind? Let me know your thoughts. Russell at oralsurgerysuccess.com. You can email me again at russell at oralsurgerysuccess.com. I look forward to hearing your comments and hearing what you're using out there. Thanks for listening in. Talk to you next episode.